Welcome to the Wild and Free Podcast, Episode 57. I'm Ainsley Arment, and this week, Amy Hughes and Jennifer Pepito talk about the principles from Kim John Payne's book, Simplicity Parenting, and how they can be applied to homeschooling. So having a rhythm is one of the most important parts of simplicity parenting, especially when you have a large family. It is really an important guideline for having a smooth and peaceful day. Plus, this is the last week to get our February bundle, Leaven, before the new Mighty Bundle comes out next week. We'll talk about what's inside in just a minute. So grab a cup of coffee and join us on the front porch. Let's get started. When I was in college, I pursued a teaching degree in hopes of one day becoming an English professor. On the first day of class, I entered the room to find a beautiful, dignified woman named Hepzibah standing in front of us with untamed hair and a gracious smile. She sat down on the edge of her desk and began talking about a book she had recently read. I was mesmerized by how she recounted the tale, regaling us with the characters, setting, and cultural applications. She conversed with us throughout the hour, and I wrote down the name of the book and vowed to read it, in spite of my miles-long required reading list. I enjoyed every second, but when the class ended, I thought, oh, that poor woman. She just wasted the entire class telling us about that book. The next class came along, and once again, Hepzibah told us about another book, equally as riveting in its storyline. Again, I added it to my list of must-read books. It happened again in the next class, and again at the following ones, until I finally realized that what she was doing was helping us fall in love with books, rather than making us fill in blanks, recite rote facts, or create lifeless lists on how to teach English to high schoolers. She was demonstrating that it's more important to love what we're teaching than training to be teachers. She was showing us, not telling us, how to help children fall in love with learning. After that semester, I not only changed my major from education to English so I could devour all the great works in literature, but I also vowed to name my first daughter Hepzibah. It was voted down by a narrow margin after I got married, but she still holds a dear place in my heart. Why do we assume that education shouldn't be enjoyable and that a better measure of learning is difficulty? Julie Bogart writes in her book, A Gracious Space, We doubt success when we should doubt struggle. We overvalue struggle as evidence of learning, when if we really think about it, joy and pleasure are much better signs of learning and growth. Children's brains are sponges and capable of learning so much, but information does not equal education, and the more we cram into a child's head does not make them any better off. The classroom model of education was intended for large numbers. And tests are an efficient way of evaluating everyone at once. But as Julie Bogart said, we need to get over this idea that volume equals learning. As homeschoolers, we have the opportunity to tailor our children's education according to their unique learning styles, interests, gifts, and needs. We can observe their work and appreciate their insights by using tools like narration and meaningful projects. Using that kind of evidence can give us a much better understanding of the scope and depth of their learning. Our children are not living or learning in a box. Life is messy, chaotic, and full of disruptions, 
and at times, learning will be too. But it's also rich and beautiful, and presents its share of peaceful, quiet moments. There will be times when everyone is working happily and productively, not because they were forced by coercion, bribery, or sticker charts, but because the desire is there inside of them. Homeschooling is about relationship. It's about individualized education. It's about freeing kids to learn about the things that interest them at their own pace. Because we can. You can read more stories like this in the book, The Call of the Wild and Free. Friends, this is the last week you can get our February bundle, Levin. I'm going to tell you about what's inside in just a few minutes. But first, I'm excited to introduce this week's conversation. Amy Hughes is a wife and mama of eight children from the central coast of California who has been homeschooling or unschooling for over 13 years. Amy is a contributor and speaker at Wild and Free, as well as a simplicity parenting coach. She recently sat down with Jennifer Pepito to talk about the principles from Kim John Payne's insightful book, Simplicity Parenting, and how they apply it to homeschooling. Let's listen in. In this time of year, sometimes we want so badly to get on track with a new rhythm or a fresh rhythm, and yet it seems like this kind of these longer days and cold days can be hard to find rhythm. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, with the new year, everybody's so excited about the freshness and newness and, and new beginnings. And it's so hard to get on track, especially after the holiday season and spring is like right around the corner. It's <laughs> for homeschooling moms, especially. It is a hard time, I think. It's a really hard time. Yeah. And I love so many things about the parenting concepts and simplicity parenting. One of them is the concept of small doable changes. And I think that it's such a beautiful idea instead of trying to tackle a million major projects to kind of focus on just maybe one small thing. But I think sometimes we can even get overwhelmed with knowing what small thing to start with. How do you combat this overwhelm? I love small doable changes because I think when we create a big vision that guides us, we know what we're shooting for, but If we don't have a doable plan of action, then we just jump into it and we fall short because change takes a long time. So when we divide things into small doable changes, which are basically little steps of progress to get you to where you want to go, it gives us small things to focus on that we can accomplish um, often fairly quickly and celebrate knowing we are making progress. So I love, I love the concept of small doable changes. And usually what I will do is I'll take inventory of our days and our challenges. So what do we have to deal with? Where are things more difficult for us? And if something is not matching my overall goal or vision, then I will create a small doable change so that 
it will start matching my goal or vision. Oh, that's so smart, Amy. I love the way observation comes into play here because you're not just shooting in the dark with trying to figure out what it is you want to do. You actually are taking note throughout your day and saying, you know, it really bothers me that the dishes aren't getting done on time, or it really bothers me that we're not getting read a lot of time in every day. So once you sort of identify the issue, then you know where to go with it. Exactly. It's all about intention. You have to identify and then set out with intention to make the change you want to make. What happens though when you feel that sense of failure? You know, so often we can get going for myself, my own example. uh, I just joined this little challenge where you have to keep up a few different habits every day and I'm in a group with some other ladies doing it. And it was all going really well for the first few days, but then I had to I had to go out of town. And that sort of sabotaged my efforts at keeping up these good habits. What do you do when you run into the inevitable failures? I think that you just need to know that you're going to. Because when we have awareness of that, we're more prepared. And we need to realize that every hiccup is just another motivating factor. I like to think that when I do fail, when I do make a mistake, if I can keep my overall vision, then it just propels me to work harder instead of letting it hold me back. And I think really it's all about the mindset that you have because if we let the little hiccups and the little mistakes and the little failures overwhelm us, then we're kind of going to just be stuck and we won't move forward because why would we move forward if we continue to fail? So we just need to look at those failures as just another step forward, another step on the path towards reaching our goal or accomplishing our small doable change. That's so good. I love, you know, just kind of when you recognize that there is going to be setbacks, there are going to be failures, how much pressure it takes off of feeling. You know, I think so often what does happen is we set out to read out loud to our children every day or something, and then we miss a few days because of a catastrophe and we just kind of give up. But when you have it in your mind that there will be setbacks, then you can just face them with the plan. And I also love how you talked about having a vision in front of you. In front of my desk, I actually have some of my goals for the year written out and posted up so that I don't forget them. Because I think it's easy when we get into the busyness of a year to sort of forget what we wanted the year to be about anyhow. One of my overarching visions that is consistently guiding me and has been for years is um, it is something that a friend told me years ago when I was struggling with one of my children, she said, instead of ordering the child, order your environment. And that is something that, that's my vision. Order my environment and my children will be okay. <laughs> that's, that's really insightful, Amy. I'd love to hear, because I know, you know, Kim John Payne, he, in his book, Simplicity Parenting, he talks a lot about not having too many clothes and then you avoid struggles over what to wear. Not having too many toys and then you lessen the struggles over getting the toys picked up. You know, he talks a lot about not having an overly stimulating environment in terms of technology. So there are all these kind of environmental ideas that can help us have more smooth and easy days. What are some of the ones that you found to be especially helpful in your own home? For us, rhythm is really important. And when I say rhythm, a lot of times I'll talk about rhythm and people will be like, oh, well, my children would never be okay with doing breakfast like this and these little rituals that bring you to your next lesson or 
any of these things that can come up with rhythm. Everybody's rhythm is different, but these are just some of the things that we will do. So people will often say, well, that's great, but my children would never do that. And that's where the concept of ordering the environment and not the child comes into play in my life because I will create a rhythm that I think really feeds me and feeds our family and I'll just do it. I'll just implement it. I'll just make breakfast and have a candle lit breakfast at eight o'clock every morning, move into doing you know, the dishes and then going to read aloud time. In the afternoon, we'll have a little quiet reading time and then we'll you know, say a little rhyme or prayer or song or something to lead us into going outside. These little things that are part of our rhythm and really guide our day But the key, at least for me, is that I don't force my children to be a part of them. I don't say you have to be here at eight o'clock to have this breakfast I made. I just order my environment with our daily rhythm. And most of the time, my children embrace that and they love it. And the child that I had more trouble with before when I was always telling her, no, you need to come have breakfast. You need to be here at this time. You cannot do that. She was always butting heads with me. But when I stopped saying, do this, do this, do this, and we just did these things as a family, she stayed out for a little while, but then she started joining us because she wanted to be a part of the things we were doing as a family. She wanted to be a part of that rhythm. And so naturally, she just included herself. And so it was really eye-opening for me. So having a rhythm is one of the most important parts of simplicity parenting, especially when you have a large family. It is really an important guideline for having a smooth and peaceful day. We'll get back to the conversation in just a moment. But friends, don't forget it's the last week you can get February's Leaven Bundle before the new Mighty Bundle launches in March. If you subscribe this week, you can get last month's bundle Vision, this month's bundle Lovin, and next month's bundle Mighty when it launches next week. That's three bundles in one week. Plus, we'll send you a welcome kit in the mail with a wild and free decal and the first issue of our wild and free monthly magazine. To join this beautiful homeschool community, visit bewildandfree.org slash bundles. Now back to Amy and Jen. One of the things that I've found that have sort of sabotaged rhythm in some ways is too much access to technology in my home. And I know that so many people have differing views on this. I know Julie Bogart talks a lot about kind of a little bit more free access to technology. And so I'd be curious to hear how you guys approach that because I think, you know, now the computer is a research tool. Mm-hmm. And so and it's a very useful research tool. But it also, you know, if we're trying to, as Kim John Payne says, filter out the adult environment, access to technology can actually sabotage those efforts. Yes, that that is absolutely true. It's definitely a hard thing. And I go back and forth (laughs) on seeing it as such a great tool for my kids to have um, so much knowledge, so much information. And even I work 
on the computer and on my phone. And I have met some of my greatest friends, you included, Jen, <laughs> through, you know, Absolutely, Instagram. Yes. <laughs> so it's like, I have a hard time sometimes. Do I allow my, let my kids be a part of this? Um, because I see such wonderful things coming from it, you know, and then so I'll, I'll, I'll let go a little bit and I'll be like, okay, guys, that's okay. You can watch TV. You can, you know, play games on my phone. And then after a little while, the panic sets in. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute. All they're doing <laughs> is using the screens now and that's all they want to do. And, and it's not really true. They're not just doing that. But I really, I myself struggle with it. And so the simplicity parenting principles help me a lot with that because I feel it's important to filter out the adult world for the most part for our children. And when we do use screens, we're very... Choosy. Yes, very choosy and very careful about what is going on on the screens. And so we definitely have time. I do let my kids use screens, but not consistently, not constantly, not all the time. And they're, they're around us and we know what they're doing. And we talk, we talk about everything. If we watch a YouTube video, if I let them watch a YouTube video on their own, but you know, in the room with me, but I'm not watching it, say something educational, I'll talk to them about it afterwards. Oh, so what was that about? Did you learn anything? You know, we have lots of conversations. And I think that conversations are definitely key all the time when kids are using screens. And of course, then you have, you know, the age of my four-year-old isn't going to be doing what my 15-year-old is doing. And definitely not as often as my 15-year-old might be. So we definitely have boundaries for screens and a lot of conversation, but we don't completely keep them out of our life because I do unfortunately think they're such an important part of the future and even life today, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting. One thing that you brought up here too, is the fact that you and I both have a wide range of children in our home. Yes. And so when, you know, when all my kids were like 10 and under, it was really easy to sort of set a tone that was generally technology free and it really didn't hurt my kids at all. Exactly. And, but at this time in my life, I have older children who are doing online homework for, for college classes. And that started at about age 14 for my teens. So then it's really a, a way different story now to have just two younger kids who are generally not allowed yeah. to spend hours and hours online. And even them, you know, they are typing or writing stories online or, you know, there's just so many opportunities to do really creative and good things. And I think that it does take a lot of conversation and a lot of wisdom and a lot of faith, ultimately. Absolutely. That is key. <laughs> a few of the principles with Kim John Payne are the environment, setting up your environment, and you talked a little about, about that, and then rhythm, and you talked a little about how your environment and your rhythms are really simplifying and helping. Is there any other factor that you think has been really helpful in developing these rhythms? There's the concept in simplicity parenting that I love, which is the pressure release valve. And it's basically these little pockets of calm that you create throughout your day. And that is gold for me because I think having little times when your, your children know we're going to have a conversation at this time or I'm going to be able to, you know, just release some of my troubles from my day or any of the things that bothered me at a certain time, it helps them to get from point A to point B and it helps me to get from point A to point B. So one example, um, a mom that I was coaching once, 
she was having trouble with one of her sons. He would pick on his sister constantly throughout the day, and she did not know what to do. It was causing a lot of trouble. They couldn't get through their homeschool day. So I introduced her to the concept of creating these little moments and pockets of calm throughout their day. And she added one of these right after her husband got home from work. And it was a time when he would, when the son would be able to go out and do something with his dad just for a few minutes. They'd go chop wood or he would help him bring his stuff in from the car. And he would was able to talk to his dad and do a little bit of physical work and talk about his day. And that absolutely revolutionized their family because he had a moment that he knew he was going to be able to release his brain, I guess, (laughs) just get things off his chest and talk to his dad and connect with his dad. And knowing that really helped him to make it through his day better. And so then he stopped picking on his sister as often as much, not not forever. (laughs) I'm sure he did some, but it really was toned down. So I love the pockets of calm, these little pressure valves that you just put them at different times of your day. We do one right before bed where my kids kind of talk to me about their day and I give them expectations, what to expect tomorrow, what will be for breakfast, what are we going to have for dinner, if anything's happening. And it's just these things that allow us to communicate and talk about expectations, thoughts. And I find that when your kids know that those moments are coming, it helps them to make it through something that's stressful or something that's bothering them because they know they don't have to keep it inside. That's so good. And I think that one of the things I especially loved about the Simplicity Parenting book and training was just the new awareness. Like one of the concepts they also talked about was soul fever that, you know, sometimes a child will be misbehaving. And if you look at the surroundings or the circumstances surrounding their behavior, there might be some kind of change happening And when we're aware of it, it's easier to deal with it with some sympathy and some patience that we might not have if we were just going too fast ourselves. You know, I think sometimes we as the moms need to find those pressure valves or those moments of calm so that we can be more intentional about observing our child and and being really aware of what's going on. Because honestly, there's not a lot of opportunities for moments of calm when you're when you're homeschooling. It is hard to get those little breaks, but being able to just say, okay, after lunch, you know, one of the things we're going to do in our rhythm is everyone's going to have 30 minutes of room time where they can sit on their bed and read or color or whatever yes. so that we as moms can just get a little space for ourselves to decompress. Exactly. Exactly. It's so important. Well, thanks so much for sharing your wisdom today, Amy. I know that the Wild and Free community is going to be so encouraged to start making their own small doable changes and developing that beautiful environment and rhythm. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Jen. Thanks, Amy. Don't forget to leave a review in iTunes so that other mamas can discover this podcast. And be sure to visit our website for resources and upcoming events. Also, this is the last week to get our 11 content bundle. And if you subscribe now, you'll get access to three bundles for the price of one. To learn more, visit bewildandfree.org slash bundles. Well, that's all the time we have for today. But join us again next week for the Wild and Free podcast.